Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Jeff Johnson, your host of the Local Leaders Podcast, and we want to welcome all of our listeners uh, back to the show. We are It's a Monday morning, so we're trying to get ourselves uh, kind of moving and grooving again, but we've got Mike Lardy on today uh, from Bravo Burritos in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I was about to say welcome to the show like I'm doing TV here, and uh, sometimes that just slips out, but it, it, feels like, uh, it feels like we're high tech some days. But uh, hey, we're super excited to have you, Mike, and um, we're really anxious to share with our listeners a little bit about Bravo Burritos, kind of what it's all about, what the history is, and um, uh, then we'll kind of take it from there. So if you don't mind, uh, I'll just open the floor to you, Mike, to share the story. All right. Well... Bravo Burritos is located in St. Cloud, Minnesota. It's about uh, about an hour-ish north of Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, the Twin Cities. Uh, founded in April of 1985. Uh, obviously, uh, I would have been a little young to be the founder. I'm not the founder, but I'm the current owner. The founders were from central Minnesota, spent a majority of their young adult life traveling. They lived in San Francisco for a number of years, traveled through Mexico, found uh, an unbelievable fondness for Mexican food, burritos, uh, specifically like that California style uh, burrito that, you know, there's other other major chain restaurants that are also kind of known for that style of giant burrito. And they decided they would move back to their hometown and bring that style of food to central Minnesota. And over the past almost 37 years, we've grown from a mom and pop shop bar to a local staple that provides fresh home cooked food and, uh, you know, I mean, reasonable prices for a, for a quick casual type of establishment. And at the beginning of 2020, we talked about the transition plan as they were getting a little older and wanted to retire. And uh, April of 2021, we finally signed the deal. And my wife, Samantha, and I bought the restaurant from the founders. And here we are today, about nine months in and uh, enjoying what we do. That's awesome. So you guys, um, I mean, it, it, it's a big leap right there, especially with you know Corona going on. I know things are starting to get a little better in April. Um, but you know, was, how, how scary was that? Definitely is a new level of uncertainty in the world and in the restaurant industry now, uh, which comes with its challenges. I should add that I have been with the company since 1999, and my wife has been with the company since uh, the early 2000s. So we are, we're not new to the industry. We're not new to Bravo Burritos in particular. So, you know, with, with all the curveballs being thrown, we were uh, in a position to you know, have an understanding of what we thought we should do in order to mitigate the disaster of the last couple of years. 
Yeah, you, you kind of knew what you were getting by by being there and being part of the business. And, um, and, and then you also had already had talked about and worked through and kind of envisioned what the, what the future might look like. Right. Totally. Yeah. Now, nine months in, have you, have you just been trying to hold on to the reins so far uh, or have you started to implement some of that uh, newness or that, that new vision that, that you guys were looking at? One of the things that our restaurant needs and needed pretty badly was some minor modernization updates. Uh, the, the founders were are in their seventies, and you know you you reach a certain point operating a business, especially for thirty six years, when you're ready to retire. You know you're not going to be you're not going to be making updates and changes, and the new incoming owners obviously would like to have some sort of say in that too. So immediately we started to make some minor revisions uh, as far as updating our handwritten menu with something a little bit newer, easier to read. Uh, we up- updating some of the decor, replacing the carpet, uh, and now we're kind of in the process of working over our kitchen a little bit and making some of the some of the labor pain points a little bit easier on the staff. Uh, uh, you know, talking about staff as a whole, another can of worms that we'll address at some point today. But uh, those are those are our thing. You know, just kind of remaking the the vibe of the restaurant sort of more in you know in our style you know kind of bringing a, a fresh a fresh coat of paint on it to say the least yeah well that you know that's really a good point because i think a lot of a lot of people who are looking to maybe get out of their restaurant um or bar or food service business whatever type it is a lot of people think that it's almost like your house that you're supposed to paint it and kind of update it and get everything done ahead of time but but what you said makes sense because, you know, why do that when you don't know what the new owner's vision is and kind of what they might want to do? So I, I like the kind of the way you guys went about that. That was pretty smart. And we really needed to integrate new technology into the business too. Um, a number of years ago, a few years ago, we implemented some online ordering systems. And so we're running off of tablets and stuff, but our, our main you know, cash flow situation is based on an old cash register still. And it's, it's got its advantages as far as being like easy to use. Like it's more or less like using a calculator, but it's got its disadvantages as well, as far as tracking data and consistency. And so we're, uh, we're not done modernizing yet, but we're, you know, kind of building out one system at a time as we, as we move along and go down our priority list. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good that you got a list and, um, and and number one, you agree on it with Samantha because if not, she's gonna she's gonna whip you, <laughs> right? Um, so that's that's one of the harder parts is, is getting partners to agree on, on what to do, and then kind of following that checklist and and fixing and updating, fine tuning things as you go. Um, but that's that's awesome, man. And and again, it's only been nine months, so um, it's really really a challenge to. Um, you know, to do so much in so little time, plus you're still trying to get your arms around the business and, and suddenly, you know, now you're the owner. So you're doing accounting, you're doing payroll, you're doing hiring. Uh, you may have done some of that in the past, but um, a lot of work. So congratulations on uh, you guys getting this this uh, business. Well, thanks so much. I I really don't think I could do it by myself and I don't think my wife could do it by myself. I'm really glad that we have a two-person team as we 
as we, you know, kind of dove right in head first after the papers were signed, we, we kind of had to learn, you know, what some of our roles are, you know, you, you, you have an idea in your head, you know, and, and you do your research, but then once you're actually there, you kind of see some of those obstacles in person and you kind of have to roll with the punches and figure out who's going to do what and how it's going to get done and what day and how quick it'll take and how much time you have to do it. Yeah. And so, so did you, did you kind of bust up the, the duties uh, like a lot of, a lot of restaurants, front of house, back of house, or are y'all sharing kind of in, in between those? We really don't have too much of a front of house, back of house situation, but uh, my wife is a puzzle master. And so doing the scheduling uh-huh. is, is she's expert level on that. I, she's been, she's been writing the schedule for the business for a number of years. Um, I don't want to put too many words in her mouth, but she's super happy that she doesn't have anybody looking over her shoulder with the scheduling anymore. And she's able to kind of sculpt it the way that she wants to. And I got, I have nothing but great things to say about, about her ability there. I mean, I mean, it, it seems like such a, like innocuous tasks that gets done in like the back room by some manager somewhere, you know, as far as scheduling, but uh, employee retention, keeping people happy, you know, when, when they need time off to do, you know, either fun stuff or family stuff or important stuff, you know, juggling all of that is extremely difficult. And I think she's just a, a master at, at keeping everybody happy and and figuring out how to make time for us and our family. We have kids, yeah. and, you know, hobbies and, other things we want to do. So all of that, she's super expert level on. She's, she's great with the staff, uh, really, really understands the front of the house and the back of the house and, and the cooks and food prep area. And I do the, uh, a lot of the office work, uh, most of the marketing stuff, social media, uh, podcast interviews, you know, that's the sort of stuff that she doesn't really like to be a, a forward face of the business as much mm-hmm. as you know, and, and I'm a, I'm a creative type and a musician and I've just, you know, you asked me to go in front of a camera and I'm like, yes, please. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you, you sound like me. I'm, I'm kind of that front of the face too. And, um, I don't, I don't like all the, some of that detail work in the background and, uh, sounds like you guys have it covered, uh, very nicely. So let me back up to, to, as you were acquiring the business or, or making that, uh, purchasing the business. Can you walk me through a little bit of, because I know I've got a lot of listeners who are considering doing the same thing. How do you go about acquiring a restaurant from, um, from a longtime owner like that? Uh, I think uh, nine times out of 10, you pack your suitcase and you run. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's probably uh, something that a lot of people would have wished they have done. But, you know, I mean, how do you, how do you put a value I mean, how do you evaluate the thing and determine whether you're getting a good deal, I guess, is, is really what I'm, I'm kind of thinking of. Um, right, right. Uh, I, I don't think that there's like a one-size-fits-all solution when it comes to small business owners and, and buying a small business or, you know, any business, really. Uh, so there are unforeseen issues that when you get a lawyer and a, and a banker together and you start writing stuff down on paper, you, you try to plan for stuff, but you're just going to, you're going to come up with stuff uh, that, that you didn't expect. Uh, in, in our particular case, the founders have been doing, did the restaurant for 36 years and 
that's been their only day job since they were in their like late twenties and they were very attached to what, to what they've built. And when it, when it came down to getting real about doing the valuation and, and looking at the actual numbers and the inventory and, and what's what, what gets sold, what doesn't get sold, uh, roadblocks started showing up and there, you know, I, I would, I'd be lying if I didn't say there were a few times where we were like, we got to, we got to cut and get out of here. You know, I I don't think that this paper is going to get signed, but uh, fortunately for everybody, me in particular, my hardheadedness as I've been, I've been at that restaurant for over 20 years. I, I really had really just couldn't wrap my head around what else I would do. And I, I, you know, I really wanted this deal to work and we, dealt with all of the challenges and, and went to get it done. You know, uh, we used the SBA to finance the project as do uh, most, you know, just about every, I mean, who, when it comes to purchasing a, a business and, you know, and you're like an employee buyer, like my wife and I are coming up with money down for a conventional business loan where, where you could be 20% of the valuation seems kind of unrealistic. Yeah. So that's when the SBA comes in and says, well, we can do it at, you know, 10% of conventional, which is still, you know, we had to save our money and we've been planning on this for a long time. So we did have to save some, some cash in order to make the deal happen. And then it was just a matter of, you know, this purchase agreement and this agreement with, you know, the lawyers and then the bankers need to look at it. And it's, it's complicated. I, I, you know, there's so many people on the, on the back end of, of even just like one restaurant yeah. that, that make it happen. You know, we, before we, before we even got to the first purchase agreement, we already had a lawyer. We already had an accounting team picked uh, a local firm and without their insights, I, I, I just can't imagine that this deal could have, could have happened. <laughs> you know, even, I mean, it took over, took over a year to make the deal happen, even with a, a solid lawyer and a solid accounting team. I, I don't know if, if people can get by doing it on their own without, without a great team behind them. I, I can't possibly imagine. I, I'm really grateful that we had the people that we had working on the project because otherwise it, it would have fizzled. I can't I only. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it sounds like you probably, you and Samantha both probably learned a lot, um, you know, by having that, that help the lawyer, the accounting team, um, and, you know, we always encourage um, any owners or, or buyers, for that matter, to make sure that you do all that due diligence. And uh, it's not really something many people want to tackle all by themselves, especially early on uh, in your ownership career. Um, so congratulations for getting it done, for being persistent and, and kind of making it happen. I know you guys are thrilled uh, to have such a staple business in the community. Um, hey, let's let's chat a little bit about some of the challenges that, that you maybe are facing now, you may have had to face some of them before, but, you know, the big three in our, in our space today are, um, are staffing, which you, remember, you, you mentioned, food cost and, and shortages. Are either of those larger than the other or all of them equally disturbing? Kind of give us some, a feel for, for what you're experiencing. Uh, I think that we take all three aspects seriously because they are all issues that are happening in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but they also get tackled in different ways. Our our staffing situation is somewhat unique because we have enough people to operate our restaurant day to day, but our focus is on retention because we have a great team and we're not a high turnaround restaurant and we don't want to be. So we've been, we've spent the last year looking very hard at where payroll is and what we can do for our people to have them be happy, to not let them get burned out when we do end up, you know, being short staffed because someone's out sick or someone can't come to work or a family emergency. So we tackle that just by trying to keep our ear to the street and with the trends and make sure that everybody is, is taken care of. Um, food costs, honestly, like I'm not sure really what can be done there. You could, you can run to every single different distributor available every day and see where the prices are or sign a deal with everybody. But they have a lot of the same problems that you at the, at the customer facing part of the restaurant, they don't have drivers, they don't have warehouse people, you know, it's difficult. Uh, so when it comes to costs, you know, you, you got to keep auditing your prices, but we have a certain set of things that we want to have in stock and we're going to fight to <laughs> keep that stuff in stock so we can provide the same consistency we always provide. And so if we're just, you know, you pay a little bit extra sometimes and, uh, and that ties right in with shortages where, you know, you kind of have to uh, keep an eye on your distributor and then maybe a, a plan B and a plan C, you know, um, I'm sure I'm not alone when it comes to small businesses that have a local Sam's club. You know, if I, if my regular, my regular truck comes in and I'm short on paper products, you know, off, off to Sam's club, it is. And we go and what they have there very little have we had to be like change a system for, for some sort of significant shortage. Uh, I've come, we've come pretty close in a couple of times uh, and it's, it's little nitpicky stuff like portion containers. Uh, you, you know, you just be, be surprised at how all of a sudden, like a certain specific size, one and a half ounce plastic cups are completely unavailable industry-wide, no matter where you look, but two ounce cups, just a little bit bigger is plentiful, but your system is based on portioning around a one and a half ounce. Now you have to, you have to make a change and that, that includes, you know, memos and notices and training and on the job stuff. That it just kind of is what it is. I, I didn't anticipate coming in as an owner to have to be so on the ball as far as like keeping keeping track of shortages. This you know I've I've been the buyer at this restaurant for more than a decade, and this past past year has just been like a new whole set of challenges as far as that's concerned. Yeah, that is. Um... You know, it's something everybody's running into, uh, um, you know, very similar issues across the country, uh, no matter where you are. And it, it's those those small items that, you know, general public doesn't realize what impact a one and a half ounce cup to a two ounce cup may be uh, or container. But um, as you said, it creates a lot of a lot of extra work and training and you're trying to keep your uh, quality, you know, at the level that your customers expect. And uh, those things impact it. So. 
Um, it's, it's been really, really crazy out there. There's, there's, I don't think there's any single solution. You just kind of have to uh, go day by day and continue to do everything that you can, um, you know, to, to be able to compete and be able to provide the service and the, the food quality that, that your customers expect. So if anybody comes up with a magic pill for work, you know, they're going to make a fortune. So I keep waiting, but it just doesn't seem to happen. So true. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to, um, to ask you a little about kind of what, what's in your, in your, you're in Samantha's vision for the, for the future for Bravo Burritos. Um, you know, I know we spoke about it earlier, so maybe we could share with our listeners kind of where you're heading and, and what you're, what you're working on and uh, where your focus is going forward. Well, as, as our restaurant has been a local community staple for over three decades, going on four decades now, we, we kind of have to balance, like I was saying earlier about like kind of remaking the business and our image and, and modernizing and updating versus keeping our regular clientele happy and comfortable and make sure that they feel like they're still coming home to their favorite restaurant. Um, that being said, we, our, our growth strategy for the restaurant is, does, you know, it's pretty conservative. You know, we, we look at like a three to 5% year over year growth as, as a good, solid, consistent way to operate our business, uh, provided that, you know, all of our, all the costs and shortages and stuff are, are stay in line with, <laughs> with our vision. Right. We do have so many regulars and fans of our restaurant that when they come in from out of town, they say, you know, well, you, you should open one here. You should open one here. You know, you used to be in the Twin Cities. I wish you were back in the Twin Cities, you know. Um, so we have these, these like little mini fantasies of, of places like uh, up, up in northern Minnesota. There's a place called Duluth. It's a... Uh, a a popular tourist place uh you know it's on lake superior it's big uh big big shipping hub uh i think it would be really neat to be able to operate a restaurant somewhere like that but for for right now you know those are kind of more like fantasy ideas our our non-fantasy idea we have uh because we make our we we cook everything from scratch we're we're uh, you know like a 95 percent scratch kitchen uh, which includes our our meats and our hot sauces, and being a being a burrito place that serves Mexican food, hot sauce is one of the things that people come to us for. Right now, we bottle our hot sauce in store and sell it to our local customers, and we sell a lot every single year. And that signals to me that we should maybe look at that as being one of our major growth strategies is spinning off our hot sauce business and, you know, maybe having it manufactured professionally and either being able to sell it on our website and ship it, or even in local grocery stores. That is a, you know, it's a great, a great growth strategy. And I've talked to a lot of, a lot of owners and, you know, one of the things I've, I've always heard is, um, or that, that people often talk about is, you know, a lot of people want to have, a, have multiple locations, but before you do that, um, maximize your earning power within your current space, right? And 
it, it sounds like that's what you're doing. You know, you're finding different ways to drive revenue. Uh, and if you got a great product that people are buying, you know, why not, why not get into the distribution and online sales business? Um, have you made headway yet kind of in that regard? Or are you still kind of in the planning phase? I'd say we're still in the planning phase. Um, it's like an, it's a new universe, you know, looking into having, having something that we make in-house from scratch, you know, having it be manufactured and bottled professionally and, or if we were going to, you know, get a space and buy equipment and manufacture it ourselves. Either way, it's, it's a new frontier. So we've been talking about, I mean, we've been talking about it before we bought the restaurant because, you know, it just seems to us that, that our hot sauces are unique and the people that, the people that are addicted to them already, you know, are going to keep on coming back. And I know I can find more people out there that are interested in, in a, a unique hot sauce that isn't just another you know, red sauce that tastes like vinegar. Yeah, well, it's making me it's making me hungry already thinking about it. So I'm I'm, I'm wishing I had some or some available uh, to pop online and, and maybe give it a try. And I'm sure that our listeners, as they they think about it, or mouths start watering, they're like, "Yeah, we want to get some of that." But like you said, it's a different business. You know, it is. It's definitely not the same as the day to day that you come into. Um, you know, when you run in a restaurant. And there's things you've got to learn. There's going to be a learning curve there. Uh, there's expense or capital investment that you've got to make. Um, so, you know, as you're kind of doing, plan it out. Uh, the advice I've heard from others are plan it out well and, and make sure you've got the resources available to, to kind of put into it to build that business. And I'm sure there's a lot of others out there uh, who are listening that have either want to do the same thing or have done it. So maybe we can kind of shoot some resources at you that, uh, can help you out along the way. Absolutely. I'd be happy to network with people that have skills that I don't have. And if I have skills to offer in, in return, I, I'm happy to provide that. I, I'd love to talk. Yeah, well, uh, anybody hearing that uh, can reach out to me, uh, Mike, and um, you know, that are kind of listening today, if they've got some, some advice or guidance, I'd love to hear from you. And I'll, I'll connect you up with Mike. Because uh, what we ultimately want to do here with the Local Leaders Podcast is to create more of a community uh, where we can share ideas and, and help one another. Uh, because you've got expertise here and somebody else may have it over here in distribution um, and you guys can help each other. Uh, and that's kind of what our ultimate goal is. Um, and, and it's something we've got to work a little harder at, at doing, at connecting people and, um, and getting each other the help that we need to be able to grow and continue to be successful. Um, but I, I love it. I, I love the fact that you're kind of maximizing or looking to maximize your your business uh, before you go out there and start dropping units. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, franchising, of course, then becomes, you know, another option, whether it's um, store owned or franchising and um, and you'll have more value there. You know, if your business is creating uh, better margins and more revenue and greater opportunities uh, at some point when you do get to that to there you'll be in a position to, to grab more value from your investors or franchisees or uh, whomever may get involved. So I don't know why I'm talking so much today. You're supposed to do all the talking. Well, yeah. So, so, so I'm, I'm going to try to quit. I'm going to try to stop talking a little bit. Let me, let me ask you another, another different question. Um, so we talked about the scratch kitchen um, and the fact that you guys are, are 95% pretty much for, for what you're doing today speaks to the quality 
uh, of food for all of our listeners out there for Bravo Burritos in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um, I didn't mention the website, so I want to make sure I get that in now. We will have it up on the screen, but for those listening, um, bravoburritos.com. Pretty simple. Um, bravoburritos.com for your listeners. You can check out what they're all about. Uh, they've got a beautiful website. Uh, looks like we're working to update that as well, so we can't wait to see what it looks like. Um, let me let me kind of take us. Let's see. We talked about we talked about the challenges. I, I know what I want to ask you about was um, um, I want to ask you about marketing and technology. So two two more topics, if that's okay. I know you're the the face of the business in terms of the marketing side. So can you give us an idea of what you've been doing, Mike? That that seems to be maybe works better than other things um, from your perspective. Uh, we're more or less an organic marketing company at this point. Uh, we use our website and our website's been consistent for a number of years. So we have great, great Google rankings and we also have a decent sized following on Facebook and Instagram. And so we do a lot of just organic post marketing and uh, we've done some terrestrial radio type stuff in the past, uh, but being being in the same spot for almost four decades means that you know our our word of mouth system has been working great for us for a long time. So moving into 2022 now, as we were as you mentioned, we were we're working on developing a new website, making some updates there. We are going to be looking at working with maybe some uh, more professional marketing firms and building out uh, a system to do some some more paid marketing would be either, you know, I, I'm a big fan of social media marketing because of the pure amount of data and the laser like targeting you can use for that. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, the reason that I want our website to be updated and to continue to be fresh is because that's our, our entire like digital hub. And that's where I prefer people go or over like looking at our Facebook or our Google ranking, if you go to our website, I want to be able to provide all the information that's necessary for you to make the right decision to either come to us and get something to eat or order takeout or delivery, or even go to our merch section and buy our merch. And hopefully eventually here, we'll get that hot sauce going and you'll be able to ship our ship hot sauce right from our website. So right now our, our marketing budget is very minimal. But we're looking at how to maximize actually putting a little bit of a budget into it and what that can do for us. We, we are, just like any, any business, we, we have our busy times and our slow times. And when your door is open and you're paying people, it makes sense to kind of have the, have the level of revenue coming in be appropriate. You, know, you don't want to, you know, I, I couldn't be busy, busy, busy all day long, all day, every day, everybody would get burnt out and I would have to hire more. And that would, that would open up a whole can of worms, but there's still slow times that we could, we can maximize our output a little bit. And especially when it comes to the higher ticket stuff, uh, we haven't even talked about catering and meal kits yet, but that's another side part of our business 
that we do and those those bigger ticket products are obviously more cost effective because you need less labor power and less time to spend on a larger ticket i can i can do 100 customers at at you know 12 to 15 dollars a ticket and it takes a crew of like 7 to do it but if i have a party where 100 people are being served i can basically do it myself or have somebody else do it by themselves. Well, well tell us a little bit about uh, the meal preps. I know that that has been a, become a big business uh, since COVID, uh, especially, I know it's always been around, but uh, give us a little overview of the, the meal prep business and, and the catering business, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Our, our catering business is built on three prongs. We have our, a taco bar, which is like a, like a catering spread, right? Like we bring all the food and all the equipment and set it up, you know, anything from uh, you know, high school graduation parties, private parties, corporate uh, weddings. We, we do a few weddings as well. Uh, and that's, that's like the big ticket item. You know, we start at, you know, 25, 30 people go up to 200, 300 people sometimes. Um, and then we also have uh, a burrito system where, I mean, we're a burrito place, you know, that's our, our yeah. number one. But we have uh, we have a thing called a burrito box where you can order, uh, you know, a bulk amount of burritos, and it's more budget friendly than just coming in and ordering right off our menu, you know. And, and we can do, you know, twenty people, fifty people, three hundred people, and and we can we get that prepared, you know, quickly. We we've done uh, slightly off hours stuff, you know, early earlier in the day type of things. We can do those those burrito boxes that way um, they've been great with like the local healthcare industry. Uh, people will come, you know, and we'll, we'll deliver or they come and pick up uh, and feed like an entire unit at the hospital or something. And they can do it quickly, easily, and relatively cost effectively. Yeah. And then our new system is we just call it the meal kit. And it's not unlike, you know, some sort of meal services that you see on the internet. Um, and it's it's kind of a lot like uh, some of the big uh, corporate Mexican food places like Qdoba or Chipotle, where when when you order catering from them, you basically just get like a large to go order in boxes. Our meal kit is just like that. You can you can pick it up hot and ready to go, bring it back to the office or home, private party, you know, family, however you want to do it, and you can feed you know all your all your people. Without with you know little work, uh, all you have to do is just go to our website, and you can even order it for takeout right there online. And the order comes in, we put it together, and we can do it quick. We can feed uh, twenty five people. You know, we can have that ready in twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, I like that, and um, and you know the fact that you know it reminds me of Wendy's. You know, you get the biggie special or whatever. <laughs> Uh, you get a large, you know, you get a large meal and um, you're able to just roll through and get it quickly. Um, ha- have you have you thought about or have, have I, th- I thought you might tell me you had, had kind of gone to the uh, take and bake type of thing or maybe the frozen foods? Is that even maybe an option down the line at some point, too? Like as far as delivering like like shipping food? Yeah, more? like sh- shipping food or providing uncooked food, you know, that's ready to take home and, and uh, pop in the oven or, uh, or, or whatever, you know, some people have been able to convert their, 
you know, some of their options to that type of, of situation and been able to ship online or and or just provide it for people to come get it and take it home and cook it themselves. May not work in, in your environment, but I just wondered if that had crossed your mind. As far as like giving people food to cook, um, I'm not super interested in that because what we do is we is we cook our food and that's that's like our our thing. So I, yeah. I that's never really crossed my mind, but I've certainly sold people uh food that's you know, people even buy those meal kits cold. Uh yeah. We did a ton of that over the holidays. People would come in on December 23rd, December 24th, and pick up cold a cold kit, and then they would heat it up for Christmas. Uh, so we do that all the time, and I love doing that. That's so easy for us to just go into our, our cooler and, and package up stuff to go for people, and and that's great. But I don't really want them to uh, make an attempt at cooking my food. <laughs> Well, I don't, I don't blame you for that. It's just, uh, just an idea. When, when you first said meal kit, that, that's what popped in my brain. But again, it's Monday and my brain's not as effective as, as maybe later in the week. But it all sounds awesome, man. It's uh, again, it's made me hungry just thinking about it. The taco bar, the burrito, burrito box, um, the meal kits. I mean, it's, you, you've really kind of thought through the, you know, how to maximize sales for the business and um, you know, ha- have you been able to kind of figure out where the revenue is coming from, you know, for the business? Is it more to go online? Is it more traditional meals or more of some of this meal kit, burrito box, taco bar piece? Well, we took all of the data from 2020 and threw it in the garbage can. As yeah. far as track trends and, and consistency, you know, 2020 is, a different data set that doesn't really coincide there. Uh, back when we when we got uh, in in Minnesota, they had us uh, on capacity restriction indoors until uh, March of last year, I think. And so I look at my January and February last year, like right before we bought the business, and they were still down from our traditional. Our traditional trends but then come come march and april it really started to pick up the the catering calls started coming in for the grad parties and the weddings um everything kind of trucked back along to uh basically 2019 numbers yeah. uh so that being said our in-store you know we're, it's we're a quick casual you order at the counter sit down in a booth and we bring you your food and uh that's still the majority of our business is, is people coming in and ordering food. A lot of people order takeout. They, they always have, you know, and whether or not they're comfortable dining in a restaurant now, you know, is part of the data set, but we've always, we've always been really good with takeout. Cause you know, it's a, it's a big hot burrito wrapped in foil. It travels well. You can, you can drive for 45 minutes, get into your house and open that thing up and it's warm enough to eat still. There's there's a lot of advantages to going with burritos for takeout in that regard. Even even over pizza, where where as soon as that box comes out of that hot bag that they deliver in, you know you're losing temperature fast. Got to get in front of that TV and eat that pizza. Uh, so most of our business is is walk in. We do offer online, and we have a a delivery partner, and 
all all of that online stuff accounts for you know probably 15 percent of our percent of our revenue so it's it's a significant chunk but it's not it's not the majority of our business you know we were we were peaking in 2020 at 50 60 percent of our business as as ordered on the website and and now it's kind of reverted back and then as far as like catering and meal kits and stuff that's probably another eight ten percent of our business there too so the majority of our of our customers pull up to the strip mall and come on in take a look at our menu you know a lot of them like to you know grab a beer and have a beer and a burrito and that's that's where the majority of it is but a lot of those customers are also the same ones that had kids that grew up and wanted to throw a grad party. So the guy that I've been seeing, you know, once, twice a week for 10 years, suddenly calls and says that they have a grad party and they want to buy our catering. We kind of link, link all of our businesses together in that way, just by being a local place that people trust and know and are comfortable coming to. Absolutely. And it, it all sounds wonderful. And, and, you know, like you you were saying, you know, 10, 15% of your business, uh, and some of these different pieces uh, of off-premise type meals, um, that's where your opportunity is. And it sounds like um, you and Samantha have kind of built your offerings to focus on that and you're kind of focusing on that growth path in the future. Um, so I commend you on that. You can only sit down and, and turn so many tables in a day, but um, for your takeout and online ordering, um, you know, as long as you've got the capacity in the kitchen uh, and you can get supplies, <laughs> then you've got a, a much greater opportunity for growth. So thank you so much for sharing all that, Mike. It's uh, It's been a, a pleasure getting to talk to you. I just looked at the time and I realized I had kind of gone over my, my timeline. Um, but I want to thank you again for being here and for all our listeners. This is uh, Bravo Burritos. We've got Mike Lardy. Um, he and his wife, Samantha, own the business um, over in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Um Mike, any final words or uh, pieces of wisdom that that you want to get out there? Uh, if you're looking at wanting to, if you, you know, if you work at a restaurant and you want to, uh, you know, you're in a position where the founders are going to retire and you want to take over, start saving your money. You know, the, nobody nobody buys a business with zero down. You know, you can you can buy a house at zero down, but if you want to get into being a business owner, you got to start saving that money. Uh, and if you're, if you're local, you know, take pride in that, take a pride in being, being hyper local and being a part of your community. And, you know, I, I get, uh, I like to get reach for the stars a little bit and be like, well, you know, we could sell our hot sauce worldwide, you know, and stuff, but, but you know, when it really comes down to it, we are a, a hyper local restaurant, you know, that's locally owned. We're a part of our community. We like serving our community and we love our customers. You know, just don't don't take for granted all those people that hold your business together when you're there. Absolutely. Very well said. Stay grounded uh, into to kind of what got you to where you are and uh, reach high, but never, never forget those those customers. And I'm sure you guys aren't going to, um, you know, you're an institution uh, in St. Cloud. So I encourage anyone who hasn't been by recently to jump on the website, bravoburritos.com. Um, or come by and, and have a meal. I'm sure everybody locally knows where you are. Anybody traveling the area, uh, make a little detour and, and go by and see Mike and his team and Samantha uh, and have a meal with them. So again, Mike, thank you so much for sharing your story and your ideas and 
your wisdom, things that you've learned uh, through the years of being in this food business. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Hey, it, it was definitely our pleasure. And for all our listeners out there, thank you again for uh, watching another episode of Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, and we will catch you uh, at the next podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.